The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. We're the co-hosts of a podcast called A Thing or Two. It comes out every Monday and the basic premise is this. We share all the stuff we think more people should know about. So that's apps, recipes, books, the nationwide Haagen-Dazs vanilla bean shortage that nobody else was talking about. Our no per- one. No one. <laughs> our preferred vacuum brands, of which we have multiples, and critical explorations of our unique approaches to paper towel usage. Listen, we think you're going to like it. A lot of people do. And who's to say you'll be any different? Listen and subscribe wherever it is you listen and subscribe to podcasts. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. Okay, here we go. We are starting season three of the Looking Up podcast right now. As always, we are digging into resiliency and overcoming struggle hard today. Today's guest on Looking Up is my friend and super successful, driven, hardworking entrepreneur, mom and guest shark from Shark Tank. Yup, the founder of Drybar, Ali Webb. You might already know her story and journey into founding the wildly successful blow dry chain Drybar, but we're getting personal here, talking all about the death, mourning, and loss one feels after a divorce, reinventing ourselves, how the only way out is in the beauty and excruciating pain of finding oneself lacking control for someone who was very, very, very used to being in control, and the paramount importance of talking about and listening to the emotional struggles within our community and especially of our kids. I love Allie's commitment to being real and authentic. And as an ultimate doer, her openness about her relationship with perfection. She doesn't just give us the highlight reel. She gives us the real reel. Depression, anxiety, spiraling out of control, breakdowns, intense hard work, and all. We break down manifestation a bit and are dispelling the somewhat popular notion of just merely thinking about something and expecting it to just fall right into our laps. Believe me, Drybar did not just fall into Allie's lap from the universe. Neither did her current reinvented life. But there is beauty, resiliency, and well-optimism building in the work along the way. We can all learn a thing or two from her tips, tricks, tools, and her warmth, empathy, and drive as a mother helping her son along his very own admirable mental health journey. I like to start looking up with a little section I call looking in, and it's just a series of rapid fire style questions that I get to know you and the listeners get to know you a little more intimately. So don't think about it too much. Okay. Okay. Is there a book that has changed the way in which you live your life? And if so, please share. You know, I read so many great books after my divorce that changed so much for me, like Untethered Soul. That was so good. And When Things Fall Apart. Oh, so good. And those, those were all really like helpful in my journey. But I would say that the book that changed things for me is probably Gabby Bernstein's, it just left my brain. What's it called? Super Attractor. Attractor. Thank you. Yeah. I felt like that book was like, you know, it is about manifestation and, you know, manifesting kind of what you want to happen. And, you know, I don't know how much I believed in all that or didn't believe in it, but 
it's not like, oh, if you just think it, it's going to happen. It's like you have to work really hard for it and you have to like go out and get it. But if you do that, you can manifest great things in your life, but they, they aren't going to just like fall from the sky. And, right. you know, and I remember like it just being so impactful to me thinking that like I, it was in my control to get like my act together versus this like, let me just wait for the world to come to me. So, I mean, I can still like remember certain like things from that book that were like, she has these things in there, like choose again. Like when you're having a really negative thought, when you're really beating yourself up, choose something else. You know, I I literally have it in the notes section on my phone and go back to it sometimes. And I actually interviewed, Adrian and I interviewed her on my podcast and he doesn't, he doesn't really believe in that kind of stuff so much, not in the, like the way I do. So it was a really fun interview. (laughs) talk about all that. So yeah, I would say that super attractor. We talk a lot about the M word here and manifestation and how like, you know, I talk about evidence-based manifestation and so much of it is sure. It's like obviously so important to, to know what you want and to eat it, live it, breathe it, sleep it, but nothing's going to, no, no thing is going to drop into your lap. Like you have to do the work and there's like huge huge psychological mindset shift things that are missing a lot of times in that like notion that people think just like think it and it's going to fall into my lap. But anyway, that's for a whole different. It's not like, you know, it's not, it's not like woo woo to me. It's like, yeah. Oh, if I work really hard, I'm going to actually be able to get this. And I've, I've always worked really hard for everything. You know, it's like, this was different because it was like, it wasn't like traditional work and business, but I had to work hard to get myself back to like, you know, out of this depression and funk and all that. And that was challenging. Well, that is like everything I want to talk to you about today. (laughs) So next question, people think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. I think people probably think I'm pretty extroverted, but I'm pretty introverted. You know, it's one thing to like show up at an event to give a speech, you know, to be, I'm, I'm really comfortable up on stage in front of a lot of people you know, I'm comfortable on, on TV, on live TV, but you put me in an intimate small setting and I, if I don't know you, I'm not, I will, you know, I'm like, a, I turn into a bit of a wallflower Yeah. until I'm comfortable around people. You know, it's like, I remember my ex-husband saying to me, we would be at an event and I was like, oh, they weren't really very friendly. And he's like, you weren't very friendly. <laughs> oh, you know, so I'm definitely, yeah. that is like, you know, kind of like, if if it's not like my thing, I'm going to be pretty introverted for the most yes. part. And that's so interesting. I think so many people expect someone that is public speaking or on television or even like a certain presence on social media to be all those things in all capacities. But in actuality, like so many people that are great at that and feel comfortable with that actually have that same thing. We're like, put me in an intimate setting, like sit me down at like a table of six where I don't know anyone. And oh, yeah, there's like nothing. I just, li- I don't, I really don't like dinner parties like that where I don't know people and you're, you're seated next to somebody you don't know. And I wish I was different. I mean, it just like, sounds like the worst thing to me. And you know, <laughs> I get that it's an opportunity to talk to somebody new, but I really, really dislike small talk. Like I just really want to talk about what's really going on with me, what's really, like, I really like the juicy stuff. So if you're sitting next to somebody new, you're talking about like, you know, world events and weather. I'm like, (laughs) 
When's the last time that you cried? Well, I know that because we just spoke and it sounds like today. we both cried today. <laughs> and I, you know, and I don't really, I can't recall the last time I cried before today. You know, I've been, I don't know. Yes and no. I mean, my, my older son has like really been through it this last year and that has brought a lot of tears, you know, some happy and some excruciating. So, you know, riding that roller coaster with him has been really challenging. And then, you know, today was just a, the shit like all hit the fan. Okay. Three words to describe yourself as a teenager, like the high school years. Awkward, driven, and confident. Mm, okay. I was just so eager. I was such an eager beaver to do everything, to be friends with people, to be in, in everything. Eager. Three things that have brought you joy today. They're sitting behind me, my dogs. I actually haven't had my dogs for like a week because of the move. So I got them back today. So I don't know, they might count as two. (laughs) I think just, you know, the things that brought me joy, you know, I think feeling really grateful for this beautiful house that I'm in, you know, and, and, and having my son here with me. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I really want to jump in and like actually just talk to you about mental health. I know that's something that just the transparency of it and talking about it that you and I have in common and the importance of that. I know we've always related on that. And I obviously coming from like sort of the professional side of it and, and advocating for it. And I am so proud of your courage to talk about your own experiences. And I know you've shared with me a lot along the way of also your the experiences of your son and those experiences as you shared are also your experiences like that obviously impacts you as well so i guess just like on a general question before digging in like what is your relationship with mental health well you know i mean i i never really understood you know depression or bipolar or any of that stuff because it just didn't affect me i mean i always was like i didn't think it did and i was always very like you know, could bounce back from things and, you know, had a good cry and felt better. And so I really, it really like, as you know, after my divorce, I feel like I got like kind of punched in the face, you know, mentally <laughs> because I, I had never really dealt with like depression. And I knew a lot of people around me who had, and I really never understood it. And I remember people saying things to me, like, you can't control it. You can't do anything to get out of it. You're kind of get stuck and you have to just let it kind of run its course, I guess, you know, and that was all like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, that didn't make sense to me. And then after my, my divorce, when I was trying, I was really like fighting it and resisting what everybody was telling me, which was like, oh, whether you wanted the divorce or not, whether you're in love with your husband anymore or not, it's, it's a loss and it's a, it's a death. And, you know, with that makes sense, right? If it's, you know, you know, that if God forbid somebody dies, you go through all these stages of grief and some of that is depression and, you know, and all that. And so I didn't believe people when they said that, you know, I was like, no, no, it's not a death. He's alive. You know, we're still somewhat talking. The beginning was hard. So, you know, I, I, what I thought I was going to do after we got divorced and how I was going to like pick up my life again was very different. And I felt this enormous loss that really impacted me so deeply. And I got, I couldn't, like, I couldn't get what I wanted. Like things weren't, things weren't like the way I wanted them to be, the way I thought they should be. And I couldn't like get a handle on it. 
And it just like kind of, it like overtook me. And I was, I just became so incredibly sad and felt this massive loss that I couldn't even, like, I, I couldn't label it. You know, I was like, I don't understand. Like I, I wanted the divorce. Like we, I wanted to be on my own. Like all the things that I thought I wanted, I got, which are all, were the things that I wanted. So what the fuck, you know, it was right. really confusing and I couldn't control the fact that I was so damn sad. And you know, and I, I was like, I had dated a guy that was a total jerk. And I think he was kind of the conduit for the sadness that I realized later, which is such a weird thing too. But I mean, I was just really, really sad. Like almost now talking about it now, which is like, it's, it was two years ago. I almost don't even remember it, you know I mean? But like, I remember think, thinking, I'm going to remember this. Like, I'm going to remember like, being on my floor crying and like being so feeling so much despair and not knowing what the hell to do and reaching out to anybody who would talk to me. And luckily I, you know, I found some really great mentors and people to help me navigate it because I just couldn't, you know, and at the end of the day, it turned out it was just time. And, you know, I'm sure you believe this and I've said it a million times, like, you know, the only way out through, it's like, I was like, no, 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 I'm going to like figure this out. And, and, I, and I went to this place called Onsite. I'm sure I remember. Which is like, you know, it's like, it's kind of like Hoffman Onsite's in Nashville and you go for six days and you give them your phone and you just are in like deep therapy and a lot of crying, a lot of feeling, a lot of stuff. And I remember saying to people, I just, is this going to fix me? Like, am I going to be better after this? And they never said yes. They always said, no, it's just going to help speed things up. <laughs> and I just like I was so in very much in my nature. I was very determined to like right. figure out how to get my my mind out of this funk that I was in. So yeah, so that was like you know that was a year ago. And I, and 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 honestly, it's like yeah, I you know I never really talked to like psychics and that kind of thing. Although I did started doing transcendental meditation, I started going to a Reiki healer, which I don't do that stuff on a regular basis anymore. But I did one time talk to a psychic, and she said. After I was like on the men, she said, you know, there's something with like <laughs> the way the stars and the moon, everything aligned. She was like, whoa, like I can imagine how bad this must have been. And it will never get that bad for you again, the way it was, you know? And it was also, do you remember when it like rained in LA? Like, yes, it did not stop. Gosh, like that was, you know, I had just moved into the hills. So it's also a little colder up there. I was living with myself and I was like, it's never going to stop raining. And it was like a metaphor for like, the sun is never coming out for me. I'm going to live in this dreary, rainy, like season forever. And is how it, and you know, it, it slowly but surely dissipated. And I, you know, I I did and tried so many things and a lot of those things stuck and were really healthy and, you know, they didn't all, but. What are some of the things that stuck with you that you still sort of practice or ritualize in your daily life? Well, I, I, I used to do transcendental meditation all the time and I don't really do it anymore. I kind of like get mad at myself for not doing it, but I think that if I want to start doing it again, I can do it. Sometimes I, I go back to it, but I, I think more than anything, it's like for me, like doing like what I need to do to feel better, which is like going, I like, I walk every single day and, and that is really more for like the mental part of it, like to get out of my house, to get away from everybody. Sometimes I take my dogs and sometimes I don't even take my dogs because I don't want to deal with the like, dog distractions that happen when you're walking a dog. I just want to be like in my own zone, my sunglasses on, either listening to music or podcasts. 
or sometimes it's even just like catching up on email, but by myself, you know, and having right. that time, you know, I'll walk for like 45 minutes to an hour. And I, and I just, for me being outside in fresh air, like just does, it really rejuvenates me. You know, I also started doing yoga, but more stretching. We've talked about this. And I think I actually remember, cause you kind of challenged me to do it every yeah. day. I do. I mean, literally my yoga mat is right there on my floor. I think I challenged you. You picked one of my things are looking up cards on one of our lives. And I think it was like, it was the morning routine. Yes. And like picking a good morning ritual that has like a positive impact on you. And I was sharing that, like, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that the mood that you're in, in the first part of your day actually like very much impacts the the remaining of the day. And so it's a great time to pick like any ritual that feels good to you. Yeah. And you were like, I kind of want to do like yoga or, you know, some type of stretching. And I was like, well, do it. <laughs> really, all I need is like 10 or 15 minutes yes. stretching in the morning. It really like levels me out. So I would say those things are probably the biggest. I'm so glad to hear that you're continuing to do that because that was like a few months ago. Yeah. So yeah. good job. Hey, do it every day. I think that like that is a misconception that even myself as someone that talks about this and is obviously like in the field, I had this like misconception with these like the tools that I was doing or the rituals I was doing that I guess would quote unquote be considered self-care or whatever it is, or just like literally sanity for myself. Like I had this misconception that I had to always have the exact same amount of time or like the space that I was doing these activities in. And so when my life became different, like becoming a mom or work got crazy. And and now like it's all of the things above. And I literally am one of those people that I just like, I, I don't like to say like, I don't have time. I don't have time, but like, I don't have time. And I realized and learned that like a lot of these things can be recreated and there's no time that's too little to do anything that's helpful. That's really impactful because I do think that I probably like most people think you know, if you only have five minutes and I, I'm, you know, I don't know if we talked about this, but I also follow, you know, who Melissa Wood is. She, Melissa yeah. Wood she's Health. a good friend of mine. Yeah. She, yeah. I mean, I, I went through a phase where I was doing like her, her purse all day, all the time, because they were like, some were like 15, 20 minute yoga sessions, which I was like, to your point, I was like, Oh, it's okay to only do 15 minutes of yoga. Cause I don't have an hour, you know? And that's where I kind of adapted. Like sometimes it's a five minute stretch. Sometimes it's right. 15 minutes. But I think I felt like, oh, well, if I don't have an hour to devote to it, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. And now I don't feel that way. So I, you know, I think that's a good thing for people to hear that, like, even five, I listened to a lot of things that she said too, and like watching her Instagram. And like, even if you only have five minutes, do something, it'll make a difference, which I didn't really used to believe. Yeah, me neither. And then I became a mom and I realized like you have to literally, it is like, in your power and control to literally steal the time out of your own day in life. And oftentimes like it's at two minute increments for me or like I do this thing and I share it a lot and I'm sure people are sick of hearing it or maybe they're not. I have no idea, but I I don't care because it helps me and I'm just going to keep talking about it. But I do this thing and I called it wake up and dance. I just literally put on music right when I wake up before I do anything and I just dance. And sometimes I literally only have 15 seconds before I like go grab my son or I hear him. And even that 15 seconds, like it did a lot for me. So no longer can I say like, it it kind of like removes that whole like, well, I don't have time because like time is this like weird 
notion that like, what does I don't have time mean? Like if you have 15 seconds, you have 15 seconds, that's still time. Yeah. And so I think that's yeah. something that I've really been working on. And I'm just realizing as I'm talking about it, I've missed even those 15 second increments in the last few days. And I'm feeling it like I'm, I'm like, I feel wrecked. And yeah. so I'm like, oh my gosh, after this, I'm going to do, I'm going to take a two minutes to yeah. like dance. I also, you know, to add on to that, because you made me think of it music. Like I, I mean, I literally like shut my music two seconds before I called in here today because there's also, there's something about like just having music yes. as a kid. My parents always had the television on as background, which, you know, as an adult, I don't like, but, and they, they played music a lot too. And maybe that's where it comes from for me, but there's something that's like healing yeah. me about music too. But yeah, I mean, I think it's like moving your body, you know, and I think that's, and people probably underestimate like how important and impactful that is. Um, you know, for me, it's like the stretching, just, it, it, you know, I also have a bad back and sometimes I wake up and my back doesn't feel good. And if I get that stretch in, like right now, I feel really good. I actually did it kind of late today, but I still got it in, you know? And yeah. That makes and fun. I think like for myself, what I remind myself of, like a lot of people may not know or may assume differently just because of the work I'm in or, or some of my like really good friends, even like Melissa, like I'm not an exerciser. Like I've never been able to, I like Pilates, but I kind of go in and out of phases and I've just never had that thing in me where I'm like, I don't have the motivation to exercise. I do feel better after I do it, but I don't have the motivation. And my husband is like, he's so motivated. Like, you know, he'll get up so early before the work day to like, and before Jag wakes up, like just to like make sure he gets his exercise in. And it's more like traditional exercise. And then I realized that, you know, I like to walk. I like to move around. I like to dance to music. I like you know, that type of stuff. And like that actually counts as moving your body. So it doesn't have to be, yeah. you know, a yoga class or riding a bike or going on a treadmill or going for a run. It can just be moving your body in any way. And, and there's a lot of research also that backs that up. But like, I wanted to ask you too, how do you, because you are someone that is obviously super successful from what I gather and things you've shared, obviously you're a doer and pretty type A. Mm -hmm. But how do you sort of defy the expectation of perfection professionally and personally? And is that like a, is that a battle for you? Is it something that you've learned and it's come easier or, or what's your relationship with perfection? I mean, it's, it's funny that you asked that today of all days, because, you know, I had mentioned to you, like, you know, I'm moving into this house and was trying so hard to get the timing right because I had to do a little bit of work and was redoing my boys' rooms and it didn't get done in time. And so they're staying with their dad longer than they should be. And it really felt like such a massive failure to me that I was judging myself pretty hard that I am judging myself a lot for, you know, when I actually talked to them about it, they're like, it's fine, mom. It's no big deal. You know, but there, I do hold myself to a certain level of, of, of perfection. And then, you know, when it, that's on the personal side. And I think with like dry bar and, and other endeavors of mine, it's like, you know, I, I have a pretty like intense relationship with perfection, you know, and I, and I, I think humbly that's part of why, you know, dry bar became the success it did is because like I was obsessed with so many aspects of the business from the customer service to, you know, the way things looked in fields, the way it sounded to the way people were talked to, to the way the hair looks, the way the stuff, I mean, there's a million things of those. And right. I was, I was very obsessed with like 
all of those things being perfect. And they weren't, they never will be. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I'm such a firm believer in our strengths are our weaknesses a hundred percent, you know, and professionally, I, I mean, for the most part, I think it makes me very successful that I'm uber obsessive about the details of a business. Cause I think that's what makes a business great. And there's gotta be somebody, it's usually a founder who's like, you know, the quote unquote maniac who's driving everybody crazy because they want it done a certain way. Over the 10 years of running driver, I learned how to be better about that and how to channel feedback in a more constructive way, which I did in the beginning. So I, I struggle with that. And then it, obviously in my personal life, it's very, it's much harder because it's like, you know, even like with Adrian's kids who are four and six, it's like, right. I just, we made their room really cute and it looks really great. They haven't been in it yet. They're actually coming today for the first time. And he was like, I was so proud of it and excited about it. I was like, he's like, you know, it's not going to ever look like this again. <laughs> like, what? We back up. And he, but like the, thanks to Kendra, the books are like organizing like a rainbow and like, it looks so perfect. It's like, you know, and I really love it. And I have to like, okay, it's not going to be that perfect after they get in it and just like their space now. And it's like, let it be, you know, but it is that, that perfection that, you know, that is, is my strength and is my weakness for sure. It's so funny. I know we talked about that earlier before we started rolling, but Allie and I moved into our prospective homes on the same day. And we actually realized that we (laughs) use the same home organizer, Kendra. And there's like so many things because she actually just came over today to like fix something in the playroom. Came over to my house yesterday to like, you know, spruce. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I was sharing that moving is literally, it's exciting and I love aspects of it, but it actually might be my one of my least favorite things ever. How yours, you kind of were like intimate dinner parties. I actually like love intimate dinner parties. And I take get, get me in any room with the small, like I love to just like go in and, and talk. I'm actually a lot more introverted as well than I think people assume I am, but I like small sort of intimate settings, but like moving. Oh God, please. Like I just, the whole thing of it. And so with like Kendra, she came in and like, I've never met someone in my life that like all the things that like literally were like the things I was dragging my feet about and just like, this is going to be the worst thing ever. Like pessimistic coming from the optimism doctor, like made her so excited. And it made me think like, she's like, I love this. Like, let's go. Like she was, had so much energy for it. My initial conversation with her, she's like, I really love unpacking. I'm like, huh? Yeah, I know. Seriously. And then that that made me realize this whole concept of strengths and weaknesses and the things that, you know, to know the things that we're good at and the things we want to get better at. And then there's just some things like we're not really great at and and being able to like make that space for someone else. And I think that's something I have trouble with. I and mean, it's sort of the perfectionism in me as well that that I have to deal with is like, I want to do everything. Like it's really hard for me to let go and have anyone else do anything. Yeah. Like I just, I feel like I need to do everything. And then like, obviously things don't always turn out the best that they could be because I shouldn't have been doing everything. Well, I would say like more in the work realm for me, like with Drybar, you know, it took me a long time to allow other people to come in and help us run this business. Yeah. I, you know, I think anybody else could do it as well as I could, which I was, also wrong about, you know, it's like people could do things, you know, in some cases better in some cases not, but they were going to, there was only one way for them to learn was to do it and to potentially fail and make mistakes. So, you know, that, that was a hard thing for me too. I think that's, that's hard really for 
that type A type of personality, like mm-hmm. us, it's like, you're like, let, just let me do it. It'll yes. be better. You yeah. Know? Or if I have to but explain I, it, I'd I, rather just, I might as well just do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of strengths and weaknesses, what do you think greatest strengths are? And what do you think, or what are some, I don't necessarily want to call them weaknesses, but what are some of the things that you think that you are really strong in? And what are some of the things that you're currently working on? <sighs> I think that I'm, I'm pretty decisive. And, I, and I'm like, you know, once I get my head, my mindset on something that I want to do or I want to accomplish, like you can't stop me. I'm really driven like that. I mean, that's why, you know, thinking about like the high school thing, like I think it was more eager then because I was just like, you know, I wanted to be a cheerleader and I wanted to be on all the sports teams and I wanted to be friends with all, you know, I wanted to be friends with like the popular kids. And then I wanted to be friends with like the drama kids and I wanted to be friends with the athletes. And I just like everything, everything, everything. And it was eager. And I think I was like trying. And then after high school, like trying all these different careers, like I was always very eager to figure out what my thing was, like what made me tick and whatever. And I think that that turned into drive. Like I think of like eager as like, you know, like an eager beaver, like the young version and like the drive came later as I got older and more mature. And I think it's something I'm probably most proud of in myself is like, you know, if I, if I really want to get something done, I will, I will get it done and I will get it done pretty well. And that's something that I'm, you know, is, is, is by far like kind of like my superpower, you know, he's like, you can't really stop. It's like, you know, which is why it's also hard to allow other people to do things when I'm like, oh, but I would right. have done it better and had it done. <laughs> you know, so that's, you know, and I think the things that I'm, I'm working on are probably that too, is like a lot, you know, similar to like what we we're saying, it's like allowing other people to step in and do things. But I think it's more, I'd say in terms of things that I'm working on, it's more being a continuous, you know, mental practice is like being open asking more questions, especially to like those around me that I love, like, why do you feel that way? Or why, what's coming, you know, versus like, and I've learned this really a lot through my son and what he, the work he's done this last year is like, it's very easy for me to jump to like, fix it, solve it mode versus like, let me just ask more questions about what that, and let me just listen and just like, tell me more. I just want to understand you, you know, and I think that that's probably true of everybody that's close to you in your life. It's like, they just want to feel heard. You know, one of the things that Adrian and I talk a lot about is like, he really hates feeling misunderstood. You know, it's like, it's really easy to feel misunderstood, but if someone's really trying to understand you, that feels really good, you know? And so, and I think it's like, you know, he also says to me all the time, which has really stuck to me that I'm not good at is like, take the lens off of me and put it on, put it out, point it out, you know, and I, I do tend to get self-absorbed. I get like, it's all about me and I'm just worried about me versus like, let me like take the focus off of myself, you know? And I think that's something that I is like, you know, I'm not great at and I keep, you know, stumbling through, but trying. It's so interesting that like when you were talking about your son and saying like how, of course, like your sort of natural instinct is to be like, I want to fix this. Like what it like, let me just fix this. Like, let's, you know, get this done and, and remedy it. And then like sort of that versus just asking like, how are you feeling? And you know, what are, what's your experience? And let me just listen. And it's interesting because I feel like it's similar to how you, your natural instinct was to deal with your own self. Like after your divorce, it was like, 
okay, let me just fix this. Like I've, I've done this. Like what's the action I need to take? What's like, you know, let's get this done. And yeah. like, even when you were, you know, for those six days at onsite, like, is this going to fix me? Cause like, okay, let's go. Like, this is my, and instead of like maybe what you had to learn and, and sort of like the real hard way and there was no other way to really teach it to you, but like for your own self as to like, you had to listen to yourself and you had to like, listen, slow yeah, down. slow down. And like, there was no rushing it, which is so, which yeah. I think like all of us, like so many of us and, and so many people that come to me to, for, you know, work and especially with things like anxiety and any feeling that, that feels less than ideal. It, they're sort of just like, what can I do? Like, what's my, you know, and especially cause I work with so many entrepreneurs and, yeah. and type A's and successful people. It's like, what, like I, I could just fix this. Like, how do I get rid of it? Just like, what is kind of like, what's the magic pill. Like I'm, I'm willing to do the work. I've worked really hard, but like, I just need to know the steps. So like get here to here. And it's like part of the steps. It's so interesting. is like everyone's steps are different. And it is that like sort of, I like to think of emotions kind of like kneading dough. And a lot of people sort of, you know, they think the best way to deal with emotions or even like anxiety or anything is kind of to avoid it or just like, chuck it out or avoid it or focus on something else. But like, actually the only way is to really get in there with your hands and to like knead through the knots. Well, like, you know, the, 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 what we resist persists is one of my favorite lines because it's like, ah, you know, what I don't want to deal with is the thing that keeps coming back. Absolutely. And I feel like the more things that sort of our life gets full with, especially the good stuff, like whether it's a relationship or having kids, getting married, starting a business, like it just, you almost think like a lot of times in, in these big transitions of life, like, oh, it'll just make all these things, the noise that like, I know I haven't dealt with that are there. Like it'll just make it all better, but like actually just magnifies everything like bigger transitions, um, having kids or, you know, relationships, they magnify the real shit that's there. So it's never going away unless we need through them. But talking about mental health, and I know you've brought up your son a couple of times. I'm wondering if you can share. I know there's a lot of people out there that, that go through mental health issues and recognizing them in their own kids and in their family. What was that like? How is that process? I'm so happy to hear he's, he's home. He's back. Yeah. I mean, that was, and, and I've asked him several, I'm actually writing my second book right now, which is like kind of a memoir and it's like kind of my whole journey and it's, it is pretty personal and, and, and he's in it a lot. And I've asked him several times to keep making yes. sure, you know, how comfortable are you with me talking about what you've been, gone through? And he's like, Oh, I, I want you to talk about it because I want it to like, you know, other people to be, to, to have that too. And so the thing was, is that I didn't see what he was going through and all the stuff that was there for him because like we said, I wasn't paying attention, you know, and wasn't asking questions and I wasn't curious enough. And, you know, we, none of us had the language for it. None of us knew how to like deal with what was going on. So it was like, it was really, it was really like challenging just to navigate in the beginning and know what to do and know how to like deal with, you know, to get him the help that he needed and to get, you know, us like as a family, the help that we needed, you know, and it all kind of culminated around the divorce. And it was just stuff that was like very under the surface that I, I actually now don't think that it was because of the doors, but I think it was just stuff that he had been like harboring that what he wasn't talking about because he didn't know how to talk right. about it, you know, and that, that was what we had to learn. And, you know, what a lot of what Grant went through was like, you know, while the symptoms of it were like, 
you know, starting to experiment with drugs and do things he shouldn't have been doing. But underneath it was like a lot of anxiety and depression and trying to figure out how to deal with what was going on for him. And he went through a lot of different programs. One of them was like a woods program where he went out into like basically lived in the woods and, and had to basically kind of live off the land. I mean, they brought in food, but like he spent, I don't know how many days, it was 60 days or so in the middle of nowhere. And it was like, I was like, first of all, every human should have to do this because it was so like character building and making you have to like deal with really harsh, you know, environmental conditions and you know, I mean, it was like, I'm so grateful for all of that as hard as it was. And, you know, and I, and I hate that my son had to go through it, but I also feel like it made him a better, stronger person. I mean, he's, he's more, he's 14, 15 years old and way more insightful than like a lot of adults I know. I think so much of it is because of what he's gone through and, and, and we were like the beneficiary of that, you know, for better or worse, because we learned how to like, not only communicate with him, but how to communicate better. And we've been through so much together that it, it made us all stronger. And again, I think it goes back to this whole like, well, let's just not talk about that because it's too hard and uncomfortable. But if you talk about it, things will get right. better, you know, and you will figure out how to deal with the things that are coming up. And I know, I mean, and, and the more that I've been open about that and my experience and grant and whatever, it's like I've, so many moms have come to me and said, hey, I'm really struggling with my kid can you help? And I've connected lots of moms to like a lot of, I mean, I, I was starting from scratch. I did not know who to go to or who to call. And I just figured it out. I ended up finding some really great resources, which I'm like, you know, been happy to share, but it's amazing to me how many moms and people just like turn to turn a blind eye because they don't know what to right. do. And they don't want to go with like, you don't want to send your kid away. I mean, I, I did that. And I didn't, I, I, I felt like I had you just like save his life and to save, you know, you know, and I, but it was like the hardest decision I ever made, you know? And, and I don't mean save his life and like he was going to actually die. I mean, in, in like save his like mental capacity to like get right. through this really rough. And to like save his future. Right. Save his future. And that's what I felt like I had to do because I didn't feel like I was equipped. Maybe at another point in my life, I would have been equipped, but I wasn't at this point in my life when this was all going down. I was like, I need help. And, you know, and sometimes you just need help. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. or I think that's so important, especially for parents out there. I think so many of us, you could watch a movie or you could hear about a situation and like think like, oh, I wonder what I would do. But unless you're like in that situation and like as a parent, like what you said, it's like sometimes like having to have the tough talks is like the most important thing that you can do. And I do a lot of work with suicide prevention. And unfortunately, the rates of teen suicide are so high. And one of the like biggest interventions that I always talk about is I have this whole thing where it's like social media and posting and, and this pledge that I say, like, I will have the tough talks and hoping that other parents will also pledge for that because suicide and a lot of the mental health issues that our kids go through like can actually be remedied and preventable to getting worse if they get help and there are resources if we know how to talk about it. And I think you hit it the nail on the head. We're like so many of us, why would we know? We weren't taught. We don't know the language around it. We don't know what to look for. And oftentimes as a society, we're kind of taught almost this like opposite, especially when we are dealing with, with suicidal thoughts or depression with kids where it's like, I don't want to bring it up or talk about it because then what if I put it in their head? 
if they're thinking about it, they're thinking about it. And the best way in again is like to go through it and to literally have the talk and to be curious. I love how you were like, I wasn't curious enough. I have learned, you know, how to communicate better and us being able to hear your story, then you sharing it on your platform makes the rest of us beneficiaries. And it's like this ripple effect. Yeah. You know, I think that the the more people who talk about it and like, I mean, listen, like I have a pretty small footprint in like the world, but the more people who are talking about these things, it, it really, I do think it will help. It's like, you know, take the stigma away from like in, in making, I, I mean, the word and the phrase mental health, like, like a sickness or right. a bad like thing. It's just not, it's something that everybody deals with, you know, on some level, especially right. Gosh, or especially right now with COVID yes. and like, we're all stuck home and the kids aren't going to school. I mean, there have been times, and I don't know if you felt this, but like where I'm, I mean, your son is too young, I think, but like where, you know, kids are being homeschooled and there's like all the kids, I have four kids sometimes in my house at the same time. And I'm like, I feel like trapped and I'm claustrophobic and I want my space back. And I want that natural, like yes. go to school, come back, it's, you know? So it, there's just a lot going on. And I, and I so wholeheartedly believe the more we talk about it, the, the better it gets for everybody, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like people always ask, what can I do to support taking down the stigma of mental health? Like, what can I do? How can I help? And it's like literally like one of the most powerful and potent ways that every single person on this planet that could help is just by talking about your experience and being open and curious to learn about other people's experience. Like that actually is the best way that we can sort of destigmatize. Yeah. Being, being curious about other people, what other people are going through. And like, I, I, so much of what, you know, I mean, Adrian coaches execs for a living. That's what he does. And there's so many things that I've learned from him. But one of them is like, just, I'm not good at it, is turning the, the camera off, the lens off of you and putting it on somebody else. And just that, you know, being generous towards somebody else is really yes, empathic. It really good for you. <laughs> The last couple things I want to ask you, what's looking up for you? I know I'm excited to hear about the memoir that you're writing. What are some other things that you're doing, you're working on? And also, what are you hopeful about? Just generally, I know this is a tough time for all of us. And I think like so many times it's we have to dig right now to be like, what am I hopeful for? But hopefully we can all think of something. Well, I mean, I am, you know, in terms of what I'm I'm up to, it, it is a lot of this book, I, you know, I have a couple of like kind of TV projects that I'm working on that I'm excited about that of course have been slowed down with everything. You know, I'm also like in, kind of lumping it in one, like, you know, I I'm excited to like build a new home and it's a very, it feels like a very new chapter with me for me. I mean, I've been with Adrian now for a year and it's just been such an incredible year. And, you know, I've found such a like amazing love with him. And now it's like blending our families and figuring out how to integrate our lives more and more, I, you know, and I, I feel really lucky and, and blessed to have found him and to be able to like do this with our lives. So I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to our future and continuing it, to grow it. And, you know, and I have a lot of like really interesting opportunities that have come my way recently that I'm excited about, you know, ways to like inspire other people, ways to talk about the things that I've learned along the way and give back. I want to give back, you know, in that way of like being able to help other up and coming entrepreneurs find their way, give you know, advice that I've learned and things that I've figured out from these 10 past 10 years of, of growing dry bar. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic yeah. and excited. I mean, and my son's doing a lot better. My husband, my ex-husband and I have a great relationship now. So there's, you know, it's certainly not without its bumps and 
hurdles, but it's, it's good. So, you know, I'd say I'm, I'm way more optimistic than I am pessimistic about, you know, my life and, and the trajectory it's on right now. I love that. Before we end up, I want to pick a card for you. Your, your next set, every guest picks a card. And wait, are you, is there any plans of you going back on Shark Tank? I, you know, I've spoken to the producers a couple of times. I think maybe it will happen again. I would love to. Yeah, I would love, I would love you to. I'm putting it out there. Someone make it happen again. I'm (laughs) getting my card deck right here. Okay. This is your card. Think about a time you felt rejected or didn't quite get what you had hoped for. Now humor yourself and see if you can come up with three ways you grew from it. You don't have to do it right now. This is just your homework for today. Yeah. I mean, I literally was just having this conversation about how, you know, we can't, I think it was like, I was listening honestly to a country song that talked about, you know, blessing something that I did this this, like thing or didn't get turned out to be the biggest blessing of his life. And I'm a pretty big believer in like everything happens for a reason. We just may not understand the reason in the moment, but to like, just kind of have faith and believe. So I like that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for catching up with me. I miss you. I wish we could have lunch together again. <laughs> I always loved our lunches. I know, me too. Yeah. Sending you lots of love. I'm so happy for you and your new beginning with Adrian. And I know this is something we've talked about along the way. And I'm so happy for you and your new blended family and new life together in your new house. I wish you all the best. So good to talk to you. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepika Chopra. For more info and how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.co. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.